The Revision Speaker Series is a Guildhouse initiative bringing together creative minds from around the globe to discuss contemporary arts practice. Revision has been curated as a COVID response, enhancing connectivity, sustainability and well-being across the arts community. This podcast is an audio recording from a live Zoom session recorded on Ghana Country. I'm Heidi Kenyon, and for those of you that don't know me, I'm a program officer here at Guildhouse, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this session of our Revision Speaker Series with Amy Hogan. So this session in, with Amy complements our tech mentor program that enables artists to grow skills where they're needed the most. So to introduce Amy, she's a digital marketing consultant who spent the better part of a decade perfecting the art of digital marketing marrying strong technical knowledge with marketing and communication skills to get more people clicking on your website and driving more effective results for your business. Through her extensive knowledge and experience in SEO, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, LinkedIn Ads and other digital marketing and advertising strategies, Amy Hu Digital is a leader in the field of Adelaide digital marketing specialist. So we're very excited to have her join us here today. And welcome. I'm going to hand over to Amy now, who's going to share. Thanks, Heidi. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here and I'm very grateful to Guildhouse for asking me to um, present and um, really have to help the artist community, as I understand that you've been hit very hard with COVID-19 and um, obviously, um, yeah, really, really happy to help in any way that I can. I just wanted to say as well that obviously with SEO, I don't expect that anybody um, has um, heaps of experience. So obviously if there's any terms or terminology that I use that you don't understand, please pop that in the chat box and I'm happy to um, tell you what I'm talking about. Um, and if you get lost along the way, um, stick with me and um, ask some questions at the end because I'm happy to clarify if I haven't made it obvious enough. So um, today I'm going to be talking you through some practical tips and tricks for increasing your online viability. So hopefully that you'll go away today with some things that you can action straight away. And even if you can't action them yourselves, hopefully you feel empowered to know where to look or what resources are available to help you. Um, and also, as I said before, I'm available at the end to ask any specific questions about your own websites. So basically with SEO, we need to not let um, Google know that you exist and what it's you should be ranking for. So we need Google to know what it is you want to rank for and we need to make your website um, talk to Google in a way that makes it really obvious um, where they should be placing you in when people are looking um, for your business. Um, one thing to know about SEO is it has a really long history of being um, uh, a little bit dodgy. You, you know, you've probably heard about um, like uh, bad operators in the past. You may have um, had some bad experiences with getting your own websites built um, or heard um, things that things that you can do to trick Google into ranking your website, but um, as uh, Google becomes this worldwide um, dominating force, um, it's become obviously a really powerful uh, tool that um, is above. I mean, you can still trick it in some ways, but um, the best way to do it is to find out what Google wants and give it what it wants. And what Google wants is to provide the best search results for its users because it wants everybody to use Google. So most of the time when I talk about search engines, I'll be talking about Google because it's what people mostly use. But um, the, the things that you do for Google will work across all search engines. So basically they all work in, the, in similar ways. So optimizing for Google, optimize for all search engines. So Bing and DuckDuckGo, all those kind of things. So I generally use the term Google because it's the one people are most familiar with, but it, um, I'm talking about all search engines. So, uh, so I'm going to be covering uh, three main aspects of SEO. So um, technical, I'm just going to touch on because obviously it's such a broad topic and I don't expect you to become technical SEO experts in an hour. Um, but I um, just want to touch on a few things that um, are important to know um, or to flag with you so that you can know what's important and what's not so that, um, you know, because technical issues can stop Google from being able to crawl your website, which means that you won't be able to be visible. So we obviously don't want that to happen. I'm also going to talk about um, on-site SEO. Um, so improvements that you can make on your site today if you have access to your own 
um, CMS, which stands for Content Management System. So when I say CMS, I might mean WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, all those kinds of um, softwares that um, you might be using. Um, there's a lot of different ones, but they're the mm -hmm. main ones. And also talk about um, some off-site off techniques that can have a big um, impact for your rankings. So technical SEO, um, we'll start with that because it's the most boring and the most overwhelming and you can probably just, um, <laughs> uh, just take what you will from this. But technical SEO is important because how Google works is that um, it has to obviously be able to access your website to be able to know what it's about and where to rank you and how to rank you. So if your website isn't set up in a way that is um, correctly implemented, it means that the Google bots or the spiders, um, basically they kind of crawl the internet and they will crawl your website. Now they, they kind of crawl your website nearly every day um, and they'll crawl through, you know, from your homepage down through your whole website. And hopefully if your website is set up correctly, every single page on your website will then be able to be indexed which means that Google has added it to its very vast, amazing um, uh, database, which means once it's been indexed, it means that it, it has the ability to be found on the website. So for example, if you created a blog post and your website was implemented correctly, you would hope that within an hour or the next day that you would then be able to Google your blog post and it would, it would be, um, be able to be found. Um, but obviously not all things that are indexed are ranked, you know, on the first page or the second page or even the hundredth page. Um, that's a little bit different. But um, so obviously the first step to a good website is that, and you would hope that your developer or, you know, your CMS has made sure that your technical SEO is already all set up, but there is um, a chance that it's not. Um, for that, in, in that case, um, I would go through, especially if you've got a large website. So, you know, some websites are like five pages, you know, you've got your home page, your about me page, your, um, you know, your, maybe your a portfolio. Um, but if you've got like a massive website with hundreds of pages, um, you want to make sure that all pages are being found because you don't want, you know, important e-commerce pages, for example, to be invisible. So I've popped here some free tools that you can use um, to make sure that your website is able to be crawled by Google. Um, so Google Search Console is a free one and it's a Google tool. So um, that's always a good one to use, but it is a little bit tricky to navigate. Um, Screaming Frog is another good one, but also a little bit tricky. Um, I've got a free tool on my website and there's two tools that I recommend, which are SEMrush and Moz. Um, they have both have free trials available. So if you have like a week that you want to dedicate, I would um, recommend um, probably getting the SEMrush one and then, you know, really dedicating some time to utilising that free trial um, and the same with Moz. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely, they're great tools. Um, they take a little bit of time to get used to and get the most out of them. So I would recommend if you're going to use that free trial is to really dedicate some time to getting the most out of it, especially for things like keyword research, which can, which can be a little bit tricky, but we'll touch on keyword research down the line as well. So basically with, with, with those you can, you know, just find out. So just um, Google, search, Google Search Console will like uh, show you if there's any errors in crawling your website. So it'll say that, you know, this URL couldn't be reached um, if there's um, any errors. So it'll just give you those flags to let you know. Um, and once you've got Google Search Console set up as well, you can set up like an email thing. So it'll email you if any errors have, have shown up. Um, and the most important thing to do that if you do find technical errors is you don't panic. Um, some of these errors sound really scary and that your whole website is a mess, um, but it's not necessarily true. And some of them are really easy to fix. So what I generally tell people to do is if you do come up with an error and you've got no idea what it means, just Google that exact um, error and add your CMS. So if it's like a 4XXX error and then do a Wix website, for example, and these, these errors are really common and SEO obviously being an online thing, there's zillion articles about SEO online. So um, I, there is no um, uni degree or anything in how to be an SEO person. Um, most people just learn it themselves from the billions of articles that are available online. So there generally is um, answers to your problems. Um, and then, you know, obviously if you can't work out what the problem is, then you can contact an SEO professional or a web developer. Um, and as I was saying before, that there is a, you know, some dodgy operators out there. So I do tend to um, recommend people get, you know, three quotes or, you know, use a trusted um, word of mouth um, source. 
because usually um, a technical error wouldn't be a very difficult fix. So most technical errors for a small site shouldn't take very long to fix. So, um, and there are, you know, there are website developers out there who you'll go to them and say, oh, I've got this error. And they'll say, oh, no, we can't fix this. We're going to have to build you a whole new site and that's going to cost $10,000. So um, I generally wouldn't trust anyone who says that. And so that's why it's really important to get um, three quotes. But yeah, that's a quick question, Amy. Sorry to interrupt. When you mention acronyms, can you just explain them very briefly for people that aren't tech savvy so I don't know what a CMS is okay so example. content management system so that's your WordPress your Wix your Squarespace any sort of you know when you log into your web website you're usually using a CMS or a content management system so we'll move on to on-site SEO because that's something that um, once your technical um, SEO is all set up and hopefully you'll go do a, a technical check and you'll be everything will be all green and you'll be happy and ready to go. And then you can move on to um, your on-site SEO, which um, is, you know, has um, a great amount of benefits for not a little bit of work, but, you know, there's things that you can do that can, you know, really increase your rankings um, that don't require a lot of effort. So on-site SEO generally um, is um, broken down into three different areas. So there's your keywords and your content topics user experience and um, the links which are internal and external. So yeah, so keywords. So um, probably about five, 10 years ago, the way that um, SEO worked was that you just would go, okay, I want to rank for Adelaide artists. So I'm just going to use the word Adelaide artists 100 times in my website and Google's going to know that I'm an Adelaide artist and they're going to rank me for that. Um, but um, obviously, as Google's gotten more sophisticated, it knows that people don't want to read a website that just says, hi, I'm an Adelaide artist who likes doing art in Adelaide. And so that's, you know, they want to really, um, people want to read real words and they want to feel something. And so that's where, you know, the art of copywriting comes in and being able to um, explain what your website's about, why people are there, you know, what they're going to get from it. And I know with a lot of um, art websites that I go to that obviously um, the design of an artist's website or an art um, organisation is so important and the look and feel um, is um, obviously key and being artists or people who work in the arts, you want your websites to be as beautiful as possible. Um, but I do tend to notice that there is a lack of um, copy or text on art websites because people tend to go, well, I just want to, you know, put my portfolio up and I want to have um, beautiful images and I want um, people to have that, um, you know, really visual experience. But unfortunately, um, text is still such a huge part of how Google understands what the context of a website is. So with SEO, I work with a lot of designers. So it's obviously uh, always a a matter of art versus science. So going, all right, so design is super important and we want our website to look as beautiful as possible because we artists are in the arts, but also we need people to be able to find the website and we need um, people with accessibility issues to be able to be able to read um, text because they might not be able to see the images. So obviously um, copy and text is just so important and keywords and key phrases need to be on your website because um, Otherwise, Google can't understand the context sometimes. So I, you need to have copy and you need to have keywords on your site. Um, so it's, you know, if you were, for example, wanting to rank for a page, you wanted to rank for, say, you were a ceramic artist, for example, in the URL, you might have your business name, .com.au, and then the page would be um, a ceramic artist. And then... Um, in the headlines, you would have, like in the, the like bigger text, you would have, um, you know, ceramic artists in Adelaide or South Australia, because you might want people to search for ceramic artists in South Australia or Adelaide. So I'll just explain H1s and headings a little bit better. So the reason they're called headings and the reason that they're called H1, H6 is that they're actually, there's actually um, code that goes around a heading. So it's basically telling Google the hierarchy of your website. So a H1 or a heading one is telling Google this um, is the title of the page and this is the what this page is going to be about. So it's a really easy way to tell not just Google but also the user that once they land on the page, they're gonna the biggest um, words they're going to see is what this page is going to be about. You're only supposed to use one H1 per page and your content management system or your CMS will generally, like your WordPress, Wix, 
all CMSs that I come across generally have the option that if you can um, choose to use a H1 or a H2 or a H3, um, you just need to um, maybe Google how to do it. But usually they've made it really simple for you because they want you to use these headings because they're great for Google, they're great for the reader. So you'll have one H1 per text, which will be your title. And then with your other headings, they'll like they usually tend to be your H1 is your biggest text, and then your H2 will be a little bit smaller, your H3 will be smaller again. So it's kind of like, you know, when you read an article, you'll you'll have the heading, then you'll have a subheading, and it all kind of breaks down after that. Generally, um, H1 to H4 would you would only need unless you're doing a really in-depth kind of um, long report style piece of writing which is great for SEO. So if you want to go do that, go right ahead. But generally for like a, you know, a 1000 word article or something, you'd probably only need your H1s to H4s. The heading structure is also again for accessibility. So when a screen reader um, comes to read your website, it will read it um, and make the user understand that um, what a heading is. And so it'll break it up for the, um, for accessibility as well. So one of the good things to think about when building your website is that you should always make your website accessible, obviously, because it's wonderful to be accessible and inclusive. Um, and the more inclusive you are, often also equates to Google being able to understand what your website's about as well. So it's that um, you know, there's lots of wonderful reasons to make your website accessible. So with your headings, so for example, if you are writing an article or you wanted to have a web page that you want to rank for a very specific thing. So for example, if you, as I'll just use ceramic artist again, you would, you know, your heading would be ceramic artist in Adelaide, and then your H2 might be, um, you know, your business name, you know, we are ceramic artists in Adelaide and we um, make beautiful ceramic art, but obviously not using as, you know, you don't need to put that keyword in there over and over again, but you're kind of just reiterating and you're making it really simple for someone who opens that page to just at a glance look at the headings and understand if that's that website that web page makes sense to them people are very lazy so they tend to just scan websites so if you can just immediately make it really obvious what that page is about that generally means that they'll stay longer if they you know quickly glance and can't see what the page is about because there's just heaps and heaps of like small paragraph text they generally just will just they won't bother reading the whole thing they just want to know instantly um, what the page is about so um, keyword research is tricky because generally there used to be a lot of free websites that would allow you to look for keywords um, how many people were searching for certain terms um, but there's fewer and fewer free versions of the, that software so that's why I recommend the again the SEMrush and the Moz and WordStream is utilizing their free trials and getting as much as you can out of them for keyword research during that free trial. Um, depending on how big your organization or your business is, I don't think that you would need to you know have an ongoing subscription. But you know you know if you can find out what because basically what you want to do is it would be great if every Adelaide artist could rank for the term Adelaide artist, but you also need to remember the intent of what people are searching for. So if you're an arts organisation, um, you might be more like, likely to rank for the term Adelaide artist because there are you know, a whole heap of Adelaide artists on your website. So for example, when I was doing my research around this industry, you know, things like Guildhouse, for example, who has like a directory of a lot of artists and Sala, who has like a directory of artists, there, there was a lot of organisations who ranked, but there was also a, a few um, actual artists who ranked for the term as well. So Google kind of tends to like mix it up a little bit. So the one person who kind of stuck out, and I'll come to her um, page later, and I don't think she's in here today, but um, she um, seems to be ranking for that term, but it looks like it's not really that hard a term to rank for. So I would be interested to see after you've all had the presentation, if you uh, implement what I've been talking about, that, it, you know, it could be you ranking number three for the term Adelaide Artist, which would obviously be very useful. But in saying that, if someone's Googling Adelaide Artist, it's not always that they want a particular Google Adelaide Artist, and then it, it's actually not they, you know, they might be searching for a, like a mural artist, for example. So then they might go, all right, yeah, that wasn't the right keyword. That's not getting me where I need. So then people tend to start with a really broad term and then they kind of, you know, get closer and closer to the term they want. So you really need to match the user's intent with 
um, your keywords. So for example, by Adelaide Art, for example, could be so broad about what people are looking for. There's just so many different reasons why people search for what they want. But obviously showing up in as many as those searches means that you're you're always getting a bite of the apple or the chance to, you know, to get people onto your site, which is always great. What I tend to try and do, um, which can sometimes be tricky, but is to assign a unique keyword to each page. So you don't necessarily, you do, not every page on your website, only one so if you if you were a mural artist, for example, only one page on your website is going to rank for mural artists. Um, so then if you're trying to use the term mural artist as a keyword on every page, Google's going to get a little bit confused about which page it should rank and it will just make its own decision about which page it will use. So it's really good if you can go through your website and kind of assign a, key, a like a unique keyword for each page so that Google doesn't just um, try it, you, you know, your whole, it'll only rank one page. So you need to decide which page you want that to be. Generally, your homepage, you'll want to rank for general a general term or your business name. Um, your about page might be your real name. And then like if you have an e-commerce store, it gets a little bit tricky after that because, you know, obviously if you're a, a specific type of artist and all your product pages, you kind of need to make them a little bit unique so that um, Google knows how to rank them and how they're different. So you would make the keyword would be using the ceramic artist term again, you know, obviously the, you might be, um, you know, ceramic pot or ceramic um, figurine, you know, things like that. So you need to make it really quite specific and different and make sure that you use those really key terms to differentiate each page from the, from the next. Um, back to headings again. Um, I've got an example here, which I stole from the internet, but I thought was quite useful in terms of um, chunking out your content and how to use your headings is that, you know, if using putting, like, so obviously in this instant, uh, ballet shoes is the keyword and here's how they've used it in a, in a way to, to really make it make sense and in a, in a good structure in an article so that people can just easily scan that article and find the part that they were looking for. They might be looking for, you know, the 10, the local dancing shops so then can easily just scan your website find the section that's relevant to them and easily find it if they and as i said before if they can't easily find it they'll likely just click off and try and find another website that matches their query more uh, quickly so another important part of on-site seo is the way that your website um, shows up in google search engine result pages so i'll just click through to this other slide so you can see you know, obviously when this is when this is Kate Fisher, I'm not sure if you know her, you may know her. She ranks number three for the term Adelaide artist and also the term by Adelaide art. Um, so I just wanted to use her um, thing here because I, I think, you know, while she's ranking quite well, this could probably be a little bit more clearer. So just make sure that you, you know, you're doing the best. So I'm not sure if anyone's heard of this before, but this is like the Google snippet. And this part is called the, the title tag. So this is what's going to show up when people search for you. So if you're a, whatever type of artist you are, you would put, you know, your name, the type of art you do, South Australia or Adelaide, so that if people search for ceramic artist Adelaide, all those keywords would be found in the, possibly in the URL, but all in the title and also in this description. So what Google also does is when you search, this I've searched for by Adelaide art and it's highlighted those keywords you can see that by is highlighted, artist is highlighted, and Adelaide is highlighted. So it makes it really easy for you to, to see that it's matched your query. Um, I've just put um, another one here, which is a really good example of how to write a good meta description, because I've here I've Googled um, how to create a good meta description, and this was number one. And as you can see, um, the, the description is just really great. It just says, do you want people to click on your search result? Yes, I do. Um, learn how to write the best meta descriptions, including seven characteristics and examples. So that was exactly what I was looking for. And it's really given me, and I know if I'm going to click on this, I'm going to get the answers that I was originally looking for. So it matches the intent and it makes me want to click through because it's made me feel really confident that it's the, um, the web page that I'm going to click through matches what I was searching for. So just back to this again. So the, the snippet, which is the description, for each page and, and the title, you, obviously these need to be different for every single page. In your content management system, WordPress, Wix, they all have um, the ability to do this, Shopify. So for each page, um, there'll be a section where you can um, make sure that your Google result or um, search engine result um, is properly set up. 
if it's not set up properly, Google will just grab bits and pieces from your page um, and then it can end up being really messy and not having that really strong uh, like call to action or it might just be um, confusing. It could pull up code from your website. So if you um, assign a description to each page and assign a title to each page, users are much more likely to click through to your website because they can see what the, what the page is going to be about before they click through. Um, it's really interesting because I have um, a preteen and a teenager and they actually don't ever click onto websites. They just Google things and try to get the answers from um, Google itself. So younger users tend to be very, very choosy before they click through on a website. So they'll definitely use these descriptions to either get the answer to what they're looking for or be very, very assured that um, if they're going to click through to a website that it's going to answer their question or that it's going to be what they want. So you, these are really um, important in terms of um, if, if you can get your website ranking, that's one thing, but getting people to then click through from, the, um, from Google search to your website, that's um, another thing again. So you can improve your click-throughs by making these descriptions as, um, you know, as useful as possible. So um, the next part of SEO is user experience. Um, as I said at the start, Google's most um, important thing that it does is to provide their um, readers with the best possible experience. So the reason why people use Google is because when you Google something, you generally get what you're looking for. And if you don't, then you you know you just need to tweak your keywords a little bit, and then you'll 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 find it. So most Google users are extremely happy because it's a really easy way to find information. And so what it then means for you as um, website owners is that you need to provide Google with a really excellent website and experience so that their users can then um, be really happy. Because what they don't want is they don't want you to Google something and then click on a website and then you stay there for 30 seconds and go, oh, that wasn't what I wanted. Um, and then they'll click on the next site and then go, oh, that wasn't what I wanted. And then they click on the next site and that wasn't what I wanted. And then, you know, try and use another keywords and they don't want you trying too hard. So they're trying to make it as useful as possible for their users. So that means that you have to make your website as um, obvious um, about what it's about, what the intent is, and so Google can you know, accurately um, place you in the ranks so that they can keep their users as happy as possible. So some of the ways that you can do this is um, site speed. So site speed um, is obviously a tricky one because it's not something, um, it's mainly something that a developer can do, but you um, just, Things like um, making sure that your images that you upload aren't too big and that they're compressed and the right size for for websites. Obviously, um, if you're a photographer, for example, um, I know a lot of photographers hate uploading their photography to um, Facebook because it compresses them. And obviously, I think it's the same for websites. But um, again, it's that art versus science thing where it's one thing to have a big, massive um, image on your website that's beautiful and gorgeous, but if it's taking too long to load that people are, you know, not even, they're clicking out of it before they even get there, then, you know, we're not, you're not going to get as many people to your website. So you have to make some, make some of those design versus um, user experience decisions, which can be hard when um, we're, you know, obviously for people like yourselves who are very visual and love beautiful things. Um, but yeah, keeping that sort of stuff in mind is really important. A slow website, is just, um, yeah, just, I don't, you probably know yourselves that if, if it takes too long to load, you just, you just won't even bother. Um, navigation is also important. So Google wants people to um, be moving through your website. So obviously um, it wants it to be reading text. It wants to see that people are, are finding their way through the website in a really natural and normal way. So that's why website conventions, um, it's really they're good to follow them. So, you know, you're at home, you're about page, um, your contact page, those things are very universal because uh, they make sense and people know what to expect from a website. So, you know, you don't need to reinvent um, how a website works because those things are in place because um, people know what to do without having to think about it too much. If people can't find what they want, they, they just will just leave and they probably won't come back. So responsive design means um, that it works as well on mobile that it does on desktop. So um, Google is now ranks... Web, uh, mobile websites before it ranks the desktop. So it'll look at a website, a mobile website experience first 
and rank you based on the mobile website experience because they know that most people are now accessing websites through their mobile. So if your mobile website is not working well, and a lot of people will and you know build their website on a desktop and then maybe not check that the mobile version is working as well as it could be. So it's just really important that your mobile website is working as well as it can and is fast and you know sometimes things need to be moved from mobile because it, it may you know be out of the edges so you can't click where you need to so yeah mobile you know as I don't know if you've been in done any SEO research that everyone's mobile first mobile first but it is true so this is a little bit technical again but internal links basically Google as I said before Google kind of crawls through your website like a like a spider and that's what it's why it's called a web so it's it's crawling through all these pages so and in you know all your all your web pages um, are hotspots, and so the more times you link to certain pages, the more Google understands the importance of that page. So that's why you know you always um, have a you know your logo usually links back to your homepage. But it's also good that like when you have um, text that you're also linking back to um, certain areas of your website, and this can be really um, one of the most powerful um, things for SEO. So if you're, for example, um, running content. Um, which you should be doing um, regularly because it's, it's a great for SEO. So, for example, you might be whatever content works for you. So you might decide that, you know, you want to blog once a month or write an article once a month. Um, so if you were to write a blog, you might include in there, just for example, again, if it's a blog, you might say something about ceramic artists. So then you might link back to your page on the website that you want to rank for ceramic artists. So then Google can make that connection between um, that for you, the term ceramic artist is linked to this page in particular. So it's just another signal for Google to understand what that page is about. And the more times you kind of give it these signals, the more it'll understand, okay, this page is about ceramic artists and that's what it should be ranked for. Um, so obviously, you know, just throughout blogs and throughout your text, you know, you'll, you want to have like a call to action at the end of each page where you'll kind of link to your, you know, perhaps if you've got an e-commerce store, you'll be like, you know, buy ceramic art now. So, you know, so you'll have that as a as a link to then go through or, you know, always linking through to your contact page. I've talked here about link equity. Basically, it's a bit of a technical term uh, to describe. It's a little bit hard to describe, but basically links um, have different weightings and power. So um, internal links, but um, basically it's, it's giving Google an idea about what is important on your website. So if you're going to link always back to your e-commerce store, for example, you're saying to Google, this is a really important page on my website and I want you to understand the context of this page. So um, it's really good to um, not just have your navigation menu at the top, but to also, when you're like in your text, to also link back to certain pages. Because that also gives people the option to, you know, find that natural flow through your website and to have that good user experience as well. So yeah, as I said before, you know, using the call to actions. Um, so if you have a page where you've got um, a piece of um, your art on there, you might at the bottom go, if you like this, you might also like this. So then you can then, you know, keep them on the website for longer so that you can, um, you know, take them through the flow. So if they'd liked a painting, they might also like a similar painting. So, and then on that next page, you might also go, well, if you like this one, you might also like this one. So it just gives you the opportunity to, um, make it really obvious for people how you want them to move through your website and um, it's it's just um, a good user experience and helps people move through your website and stay there longer you don't want them to have to guess like once you get to the end of a page you don't want to go oh well that's it then I guess I'll, I'll leave the website you kind of want to tell people what to do next and what you think they might enjoy next um, outbound links um, it may seem a little bit um, contraindicated because we don't want to, you know, we want people to stay on our website, but um, having links to other websites actually has a lot of um, benefits. So generally, you would have outbound links in blog posts or articles. So one, the reason why you do that is one, you want other people to do that to you. So you want um, other websites to be linking back to your website, um, but it also, um, you know, gives your page um uh, improves your reputation because if you're writing a blog post and it's all about um, you know all your information like most of the time you cannot cover the you know the world's breadth of inf breadth of breadth of information in one page so you would, might link to other um, pages to back up what you're saying or you know to provide um, you know uh, more relevance to what you're saying or if people want to research more you might want to tell them you know you can find out more about this here 
you know, the one thing you can do is usually in your website, there's a little tick box that says open in a new window. So you don't want to send people away from your website and then they leave your website and can't see it. You want that little tick box to say open in a new window. So then it will open in a new tab or a new window and then they've still got your website open so they can they read the other website but um, also be still in your website. So yeah, the other thing is that it boosts value for people. So obviously they can just um, find all the relevant information in one spot about a specific topic and then you become like sort of like the thought leader or the, the most knowledgeable person because you've given them, you know, all this val valuable information that you've also given them um, other resources that they can go to find out more information. And yeah, so um, the more useful your information is and the more comprehensive it is, the more likely people are to go, wow, that was a really useful um, page or that was a really useful um, article. I'm going to link that or share that with um, my colleagues or share that with my friends or put post it on social media because it was a really great article so you know that really comprehensive style of writing really covers um, a lot of information so obviously you need to be just careful obviously you don't want to send people away from your website all the time but where it makes sense it really that is can be really useful for seo to link to other websites as well and that ties into um, off-site seo so obviously we want people to link to our website as much as possible and what that does is basically it, it's like a vote for your website. So if Google can see that other people are linking to your website, it's like a little vote, a little thumbs up to Google going, well, if so-and-so thinks this is a good website, then it must be must be pretty good. And the more people that link to your website, Google's going, well, this person's linking to it, so it must be good. And the higher, the higher authority that website is, obviously the more link juice or link power um, you, know, you have. So for example, um, I put here as an example, uh, you know, you might have a yellow pages listing um, and that wouldn't be as powerful if the advertiser covered a story on you and linked back to your website. So, you know, you have different levels. So, for example, if Forbes magazine did an online article about you, that would be worth, you know, a million votes versus if you um, were mentioned in a, a local article, like, you know, a local publication, for example. So the bigger the website that mentions you, the better. But in saying that, um, backlinks are hard to get. And obviously, uh, we're not all submitting articles or getting interviewed by Forbes magazine every day. So we, we do the best with what we can. And also, it's better to have, you know, a smaller amount of links from different websites than a thousand links from the same website. But um, some of the ways that you can get um, backlinks quickly and easily is um, there's a lot of business directories out there. So, um, you know, Yellow Pages has a free... Um, version there's things like um you know hot frog um I'll, I'll actually send a a list of some of the better business directories that you can use um obviously having as social media channels for example like having your website on facebook having your website on a twitter account having your website on instagram they're all considered backlinks but obviously not as powerful as being mentioned in forbes magazine for example so you know sending out press releases uh if you're having an event or having you know any sort of um exhibition sending out press releases to press release um there's a lot of business a lot of websites that will accept press releases and um, publish them free of charge so that's you know a good way of getting um backlinks um so if you're having an event you might use eventbrite for your ticketing for example uh what i would do you've got sort of like a you can use that in multiple ways to help so you'll obviously put your website in your eventbrite page but then you would also add have a a blog on your website that is about your event and then include the Eventbrite link. So you would send people to your blog with your Eventbrite link rather than sending people to Eventbrite. So then you're sending people to your website as much as possible. As I said before, you can submit articles to article submission sites, but the best way to get backlinks is to write such excellent content that people are like, I want to mention this article or this website in my article or, or on my website because it's just such great content. So that's the best way to get backlinks. But um, obviously, you know, start small with what you can. And then um, obviously some things take more time than others. And the thing about SEO is it's not something that you can sort of sit down and go, all right, I've done my SEO tick done it's sort of something that you incorporate into every sort of marketing activity that you do so you know having a little checklist of things that you can do when you're doing your marketing for an event or for running it you know just adding you know is this seo optimized is there any way that i could be sending people to my website that would be you know that's all part of seo it's an ongoing thing a daily thing um and you know you should you 
you should place importance on it because obviously people who search for you and find you, the intent is that they were looking for what you have and if they can find you organically, they're much more likely to engage with you or to, to find, to buy from you. So it's, it's a very valuable um, tool, but obviously one that takes time. So I think I have covered a lot there, but I'm really happy to answer questions that you have. Thank you so much, Amy. Fantastic. And yeah, so much ground that you've covered. Um, and I've definitely learnt a few things. I learnt more about what I don't know, which is also very useful. Um, just to remind everyone, as I mentioned, our tech mentor program, but Amy is also one of our tech mentors. So you can submit an expression of interest and we will undertake a pairing to match you with the right mentor. But Amy is one of our fabulous mentors who has signed up, which is great. Um, I might just start off. I know we've got a few questions in the chat box but I just wanted to touch base on some of the ones that were submitted via Eventbrite. And I think you've already covered some of this content. And also for the people participating, if I don't cover your question adequately, please feel free to jump in. Um, so we had a question from Carolyn about a new website and she was wanting to understand SEO a bit better, but also set some achievable goals and benchmarks for her content. Would you recommend, Amy, that she does, like you were talking about that kind of free audit thing that you can do through your website, would that be a good starting point or do you have some other thoughts? Yeah, so I think that, um, I mean, one of the biggest things about SEO is data and one of the biggest things about digital marketing is the amount of data that is available to measure success. Um, so I really recommend um, getting Google Analytics set up on your site. Um, that will allow you to see how many people are coming to your website um, and what pages they're looking at. So that can be a really good way to start benchmarking um, how things are working and if they're working for you. Um, so you would obviously, a new website, you wouldn't expect that a lot of people would come in through organic search apart from people. Like you would, you generally, if the website's set up well, you'll start ranking for your business name fairly quickly. Um, so obviously you'd, you'd want to see um, more and more people coming in through organic search and you can see that through um, Google Analytics. Um, it can be a bit daunting. Um, there's a lot of data in there, um, but, you know, there's a lot, also a lot of free um, Google Analytics courses which can help you um, understand which data you can kind of be looking at so you can sort of just ignore um, the millions of pieces of information in there and just kind of hone in on um, organic search. So. Obviously, with a new website, you just want to start seeing that growth in organic search. So you're not always sending people there via social media or email um, EDMs. Um, you want to start seeing people coming there because um, they found you via Google. So then we had another question from Sarah, which was about online sales. Just if you have, I guess, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's like keywords or general order, but like what would be your top tips in this realm in terms of like increasing sales yeah so e-commerce is obviously a, a really tricky one so there's lots of aspects to it is getting people to your site to start with and then um, increasing your conversion so getting people to the site and then getting them to buy um, and they can be sort of two different things but obviously they all fit into the digital marketing space um, I mean one of the top things that people can do um, I you know I'm not sure, I haven't seen your website, but I know that a lot of things that um, artist sites that I've looked at, um, you know, sometimes the price isn't there. Um, sometimes, you know, the product description isn't adequate. Um, so obviously like really optimizing um, your product descriptions to be as um, um, descriptive as possible, including, you know, the size of the art, um, different photos of how it might look in different um, areas, um, you know, having a review section. So people who've bought from you previously, all those kinds of things are um, help with your, you know, obviously reviews help with your social proof because you can see that you've had um, previous happy buyers. Um, there's lots of different things you can do. Um, but, yeah, obviously I think the product descriptions would probably be my, my number one tip is to be as um, descriptive as possible um, and obviously good photography. And, uh, yeah, I think I was saying before earlier that um, obviously if you have uh, like a, a niche art thing, uh, I keep using ceramic art, I don't know why I keep coming back to that one, but it's just the one that stuck out to me. Um, you don't want every product to be called ceramic art. You need to be uh, a little bit um, uh, like to be very specific about different art pieces so that Google can um, 
index each page and sort of um, help rank them in different ways so that they meet um, criteria um, so people can reach the right page with the right search. Um, you know, so, so obviously you need to um, make each URL different uh, rather than you know, just some um, um, pot one, pot two, pot three. You might, you know, you know, blue blue pot on white background or something. You know, just be kind of being really descriptive so that Google knows the difference between each page. Thank you, Emily. That's fantastic. I know that's quite a tricky thing to cover. You know, really briefly. So then we also had a question from Anna, which was about understanding more about how SEO works and how best to deploy it. So I think you've probably covered that one in your presentation. But again, if you need more info, Anna, please post into the chat box. But what else we have? So we've got a question from Wendy. Are there any statistics on which, le which leads to more sales and promo a well-linked website or things like Instagram, which I've never used? So I guess, yeah, how would Wendy find out stats about those things? Um, so usually um, like a really holistic, um, I know it's hard to, you know, to um, put, you know, your effort into every single channel. Um, I think that SEO generally has a higher conversion rate because people um, uh, go to Google to do a specific action, whereas in social media they might just come across you because you know, they've, they've started following you because they like your art. So they might, um, I think social media is really great for brand awareness and for people to find out about you as an artist and to see your different work. So it might be the way that they find you initially, um, but it tends to be um, that, that people don't take a direct action from a social media post. So it'll be like a user experience over time. So they might see you on Instagram, follow you, then start following you on Facebook, and then, you know, you might write an article. So then they, you know, they go to your website, they get more, um, you know, the more touch points that they have with you and your art, obviously the higher likelihood they're going to buy from you. It's hard when, you know, if you don't feel like Instagram is your jam, if it's not something you understand or it's not something that you enjoy, um, that, you know, it might be a lot of wasted energy to, to have an Instagram account that you might want to focus more on, you know, writing articles, for example, and really focusing on that that kind of content or it might be that LinkedIn is more your jam or uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, whichever uh, channel you decide to put more effort into, um, obviously you're going to have a better result because it's going to, you know, obviously sh show through that, that that's kind of the way that you like to, to present your work. Um, I know a lot of artists who have a lot of um, success on Twitter and a lot of artists who have a lot of success on Instagram, but they don't tend to, you know, do both. At the, you know, well, they, they might do both, but they tend to put more effort into one over the other just because they like that channel better. So it just depends on, you know, what you like. All of the social media channels will help with your SEO and help people find you and give you more visibility. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is hard to um, do all of them. It's a full-time job, obviously. That's why people like me have a job is because people can't manage, you know, all their different channels or they might not understand a channel or not know how to get most, enough benefit from it. Um, thank you. It, more questions actually like I thought oh Facebook should we be having a Facebook site as well as a website or I do have LinkedIn but I can't stand it it's so unuser friendly I just yeah. I just delete every message I get from occasionally I look at it and then I just get off it it's so like to me unuser friendly LinkedIn and it's so random all the people that want to befriend you that I don't go near it much my page sits there dead and useless yeah I didn't yeah, are you saying Facebook's also another good marketing tool if you were to set up a Facebook page just for your art as opposed to your personal one? Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got um, the time and energy to, um, you know, to at least update, you know, once a week or even once a month, um, it provides another avenue for people to be able to find you. Um, I find Facebook's really good for word of mouth. So, you know, your friends and colleagues might easily be able to, you know, if somebody's saying, oh, does anyone know, I don't know what you do, does anyone know a ceramic artist? And then they can easily tag your page. The person can then, you know, go through your, you know, your photograph that you've posted, um, any nice. exhibitions, that kind of thing. It's just another avenue um, for people to come and find you. So, for example, if somebody finds, um, is recommended your art or your work, 
it's it's nice for somebody on Facebook to be able to link to your page um, very easily so they can find you that way. Um, not everybody's on Instagram, not everybody's on Twitter. Most people yeah. are on Facebook. So it's just um, like a good way for people to be able to, to find you. Um, also, it's another great place for you to, you know, to if you've got an exhibition or an event coming up, um, obviously Facebook has a really great, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, event um, invitation um, set up. So it's, it's, it's good for that as well. So I definitely would recommend, you know, setting up, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you can set up your own personal brand page and yeah. post to there. And link it to your own personal page. Yeah. Thank you. I was just going to say, even um, Instagram, Wendy, because I know that you have such beautiful images of your work because Instagram's so image heavy that, you know, that could be potentially a more simple way to go that we can chat further. So Kristen's just said, great talk. She's learnt a lot and um, has a website called Barossa Mosaic. But yeah, Google is your friend um, in terms of not only to get you get visibility, but to also find out things about how to improve your SEO. There's millions of articles out there written by people way smarter than me. And um, yeah, there's a lot of answers that you can find there. Awesome. And Catherine's also said great info. Thanks, Amy. Um, I can see Wendy and Victoria there raising yeah. their hand. Can you I that? might be asking on Wendy's behalf, actually. <laughs> um Wendy's asking her Squarespace website has an analytics page that talks about the visitors to the site and is that the same as the Google Analytics? Um, So it's a great start. Um, Obviously for someone like me, I um, need to drill down um, much uh, into much more detail sometimes. So Google Analytics has, um, it's probably about a hundred times more informational than Squarespace, but um, it could be for a, for a, um, smaller business that you can get enough information from the analytics page I would definitely um, utilize that and what I um, really like to do is to um, say grab like um, five metrics that are really important to you so for example um, how many people are coming to your website what pages are they looking at and to track them over time so once a month sit down and kind of uh, you know in a, in a database or however it makes sense to you um, just to track um, a few metrics and just um keep looking at them over time um, and then you can kind of get a really good idea of what's happening on your website. Um, You know, for example, if you're looking at what page gets visited the most or how long people stay on your website, you know, that's really interesting to look at over time because you may start seeing some trends um, which will then go, you know what, people really like that page. I might create another page or, you know, add more information to that page or add, um, you know, links to, you know, buying my art from that page because, you know, I know lots of people are visiting that page. So there's lots that you can learn um, by looking at those um, stats and metrics over time. Thank you so much, Amy. Yeah, so I just, in wrapping up, wanted to thank Amy for all this excellent information. So thank you so much, Amy. That was really fantastic and we're thrilled to have you on board. My pleasure. I look forward to um, meeting more of you through the um, mentor session and, um, yeah, looking forward to Googling um, all your keywords and seeing more of you on Google. Thank you for listening to the Revision podcast series recorded on Ghana Country. This series is brought to you by Guildhouse, our supporting partners and session speakers. Please head to our website guildhouse.org.au for more information on the series and our artistic collaborations with and professional development opportunities for Australian artists. Revision was developed with support from Australia Council for the Arts, the Day Family Foundation and Creative Partnerships Australia and has continued through the generous philanthropic support of the Guildhouse Creative Visionaries.